Welcome to the Autism Classroom Resources Podcast, the podcast for special educators who are looking for personal and professional development. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Reeve. For more than 20 years, I've worn lots of hats in special education, but my real love is helping special educators like you. This podcast will give you tips and ways to implement research-based practices in a practical way in your classroom to make your job easier and more effective. Welcome back to the Autism Classroom Resources Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Chris Reeve, and I'm your host, and I have set up a lot of classrooms in my time. At one point in my career, I really thought that my whole job was setting up classrooms for a living. And at the beginning of the year, as a consultant, I would start school in many districts across different parts of the country over and over and over, like Groundhog Day, with different students and different teachers. And that doesn't even account for all the classrooms that I've set up over the years in the middle of the year, or just made revisions in the middle of the classroom year, whatever was needed. So I spent a lot of time setting up classrooms, which has given me a ton of time to think about systems that can increase our productivity, get the classroom running easier, and hopefully save us all some time. There's one important reason why I spent so much of my career getting classrooms set up over and over. And that is because I firmly believe if you set up the classroom well, it cuts down on the amount of work that you have to do for the rest of the year. And if the classroom systems aren't established and we don't get them set up well, you play catch up for the rest of the year. And that's not what I want. In this episode, I want to share five tips for systems that you can use in your classroom to save you time and make you more productive. These tips can help you to delegate more effectively because I'm just learning how to do that myself. Uh, In other words, if you're like me and you have a hard time giving up responsibility, I've actually got some suggestions that can help for that too that I've learned over the years. These tips will also help you set up systems in the classroom that will increase productivity of all the adults in the classroom where they are needed. And that means less work for you at the end of the day. So more productive, less work, less overwhelm, hopefully less stress. If that sounds good, Let's get started. Okay, first up, and this may not surprise those of you who have followed me for a while, our first system is making sure that we have a zoning plan for the classroom that clearly outlines everybody's duties. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the zoning plans, I'll put a link in the show blog post so you can hop over to autismclassroomresources.com slash episode 24 and you'll find it there. But even if you are familiar with zoning plans, don't go just yet. I have some tips for them that I think will make them even more critical to the productivity of your classroom and can really help with that. So a zoning plan is essentially a collaborative schedule that is designed for all of the staff, teachers included. However, it shouldn't just stop at where people should be and what activity that they're working on or which students they're with at that time. That's an important component, but it isn't all that should go into that. The zoning plan should also outline all the little duties that need to be done during the day. So who is wiping down the tables so that you can have the next activity there? Who's turning in attendance? Because that's the one I always have to write in because I always forget. Down to who grabs the walkie-talkie when the classroom leaves the room. So 
who's making sure that the schedules are reset at the end of the day or the beginning of the day? Is that something that could be done at the end of the day by staff before they leave or in the morning when they first come in? Or is it something that they don't have time to do because they're not there with the students? Who's checking the take-home folders for notes from home and permission slips? Can that be delegated to a staff member and save you a step? So a lot of what goes into a zoning plan is thinking about how we can delegate all of these little things to make sure that they are serving us well and saving us time. So you may be asking, why do I need a detailed zoning plan? Well, making sure that you specifically assign in discussion and collaboration with your whole classroom staff to someone in the classroom means that one, you don't have to direct somebody to do it. So that's 30 seconds at least saved right there. It also means that you won't have four people cleaning the snack table while you have one person trying to run a group of 10 students at the same time. In almost every classroom that I've ever been in, all of the staff, teachers included, just want to do what needs to be done in the classroom to make it run smoothly for the good of the students. But the key is that the student, the teacher may have an overall picture in her mind about what needs to be done, but the rest of the staff don't necessarily know what that looks like if you don't create a plan and share it with them. So if you don't share the plan, then they're going to pick up and do what they see or what they think is needed. Hence, I once watched four staff members wash the snack table while the teacher tried to wrangle 15 preschoolers into circle. And it wasn't because they were avoiding it or being problematic. It was because they knew it needed to be cleaned. So they just all gravitated over to that because it wasn't assigned to a specific person. And it was a good lesson for me about why it's so important to write those things in. So your zoning plan, when it's detailed and clear, helps to increase the productivity in your room by making sure that everyone, yourself included, is working smarter and not harder. And that saves time and gets more done, and it provides the foundation for the other four elements I'm going to talk about. Number two is get the students involved. And you heard me right, because think about it. Who really needs to wipe the snack table? That could be a student's job. That could be something that they're learning to do in a life skills classroom, regardless of their age. They could help an adult do it if they're not ready to do it on their own. So you can and should include students in your systems. Students need to learn to clean up after themselves. So while I will cry if you have them take their independent work apart when it's finished, and if you don't know why, email me and I'll point you towards that answer. The rest of the room is really fair game. So here's what that means. The students benefit by helping to reset their own schedules for the next day, for instance. So several times in classrooms, I've had students who love putting things in order. Well, why not take that strength and give them responsibility? I often give those students jobs that involve keeping the group schedule visuals up to date. I've had classrooms where one student is responsible for resetting everyone's schedule. Maybe it's the student whose bus comes last. Uh, And they were all really good at it. And sometimes they were even better at it than the adults. So it really does pay sometimes to do that. Similarly, it's useful for students to learn to reset their own schedules. 
It helps them to review the events of the day. It teaches an effective executive functioning skill, and it teaches them responsibility for their own self-management. And that's one less thing that you need to do at the end of the day. So if you have students who have goals for life skills, build those life skills into caring for the classroom, learning to take care of, clean, and manage your surrounding and take care of your community is a life skill for our students. So let's not take that opportunity away from them. Now, they need to be able to make a choice in what they're doing. This is not an opportunity to exploit them in any way. This is simply setting up routines where they have responsibilities. Uh, I'm not going to push them to the point where they have a behavior problem, but I am going to kind of put it into their schedule. The third thing you can do is to create a task list for the adults. So we all know that there's a lot more to running a classroom than the things that happen every day, like resetting the schedule. You also have tons of materials to create and copy to do the instruction. So create an ongoing to-do list and keep it in a central part of the classroom. So these are separate from the things that have to be done every day. And I'll talk about them in a minute. But these are all the things that need to be made. And realize, you know, if you go through the day and you realize that you missed a visual, put it on the list to make a new one. If you need copies for tomorrow or copies for next week, put it on the list. Then keep the list of materials to make. And on your zoning plan in your notes section, Write in that if a student is absent or pulled out of the room or someone has a free moment for whatever reason, their next stop should be the to-do list. And they should pick the next thing on the list and just do it. If they have questions and they're not sure what's there, if you've not given them enough information, then the routine can be skipped to the next thing on the list that they're comfortable with. And I'll talk for a minute about how to keep that from happening. But with the to-do list, you can make the most of everyone's time in the classroom and not have to spend a lot of time redirecting staff to what they should do in those off occasional times when they're not with a student. Along with that is number four, create a materials production area. So if you have the space and you can block it off from the students, create a teacher corner that has, if you have an independent laminator, scissors and Velcro all right there in one place. If the only laminator that you use or that you have to use is in the library, then think about laminating your stuff maybe in the afternoon, but don't cut it out and leave the cutting in the to-do bin. Then it's ready for someone to sit and cut and put Velcro on. If you can't have your material production tools out, because there certainly are safety issues with a laminator and scissors and things like that for some of our students, keep them in a designated and labeled drawer. So keep everything they need, all the tools that they need for the material production and keep the to-do list nearby. So make sure that you're cutting down on time that you have to go and find the materials to make what's on the to-do list by keeping it all nearby and labeled. And finally, number five, and I think this is one of the hardest and most important for me anyway, uh, I think I've saved the best for last. I know many of us are really particular about the way things are in our classroom. You know, if I'm talking to you, this is one of my fatal flaws in every job I've ever had. I want to delegate jobs. I was an administrator. I had to delegate jobs, but it always seems like either it would be easier to do it myself than to teach someone else how to do it. 
And two, it always kind of seemed at the end that I had to do it over because it really wasn't quite the way I liked it. And I have finally come to the realization that I have to delegate or I'm very limited in what I can do. And so do you, because there's way too much to be done in the classroom for you not to be delegating to others in your classroom. That is what a team is for. I will put the link in the blog post, taking us back to those first five episodes of the podcast where I talked about creating classroom teams. This is a piece of that. This is structuring what your team is doing. So at some point, a task that is done, but not perfect, it's better than a task that is perfect, but not finished. Similarly, a task that provides you what you need when you need it, that you don't have to lose sleep over is better than when you had to stay up till midnight to finish. So my second realization, and trust me, this took many, many years for me to get this, is that my time is worthwhile. And so is yours. Your time is worthwhile, even if it's just time to be able to watch your daughter on the swings or to have time to lie down on the couch for 20 minutes and pet the dog. Both of those will lower your stress level and your blood pressure. So don't waste your time if someone else can do something well enough to get the job done. So how can you make it more likely that the regular routine jobs around the classroom are gonna get done in a way that you can live with or that your material prep comes out the way you can look at it every day and not drive yourself crazy? checklists. When you want someone to do something in a certain way, and if it's something that has to be done more than once, make a checklist. If you want to make sure that the schedules get set up in a specific way, make a checklist by writing down how you do it so that it's likely to get done consistently the same way every time. Same thing for prepping materials. I personally am one that does the cut, laminate, cut, because I've had too much laminate peel over the years. But I recognize that others have a different perspective and do not think the first cutting is necessary. I get it. It's fine. I've had people tell me, nobody's got time for that. That's too much cutting. I get it. Similarly, I have a pattern to how you use Velcro. I use the rule hard on the card, soft on the surface. Some of you do it the opposite way and put the rough Velcro on the wall and the soft Velcro on the surface. Uh, There are arguments for doing it both ways, and that doesn't really matter. What matters is that your whole classroom staff does it consistently and does it the same way, because otherwise the Velcro won't match and things won't stick. For both of those things, I just need to make sure that everybody else is doing it the same way, because I'm going to be really frustrated if I want something cut, then laminated, then cut. And what we have is something that went through the laminator as a full sheet and got cut apart and peels in five days because that's going to drive me insane. No one else is going to know that if I don't tell them that. So I put it on a checklist. So how do you make a checklist? They don't have to be complicated. They don't even have to be very long. Uh, I believe that they do need to be personalized to some extent because they need to reflect how the team wants things done. And you can make a checklist on paper by just writing down every step, go through the task yourself and write the step down. Think of it as a task analysis for everybody else. Um, And it'll take some revising 
to get all the different steps because you won't realize that you've missed them till you try and use it. But once you have the procedure and the process done, everyone will be doing things in a consistent way. Plus, the added bonus is it's so easy to give new staff the checklist so that they can avoid having to have the learning curve of how you like things done. So if you have systems in your classroom that your amazing paras run, ask them to write down the steps for you. So if you have a para who's a king or queen of independent work, ask them to write down the steps they follow as they do it one day. Then if they're absent, someone can step into their place more easily and with less confusion. You can do it on paper. You can put it on Google Docs. You can use Trello board. It does not matter what it looks like. There are tons of ways that you can give someone a checklist. I think the easiest way to use them is to post them in the area where they're needed. So if I'm going to use something electronic, I'm going to tell them, check your phone for the checklist. Uh, I want to make it as simple as possible for them to access it. So I tend to either put them in page protectors or laminate them and have the staff use a dry erase marker to check them off. And I keep them in the area that they apply to where they're needed. So those are five tips that you can use to save you time and energy in the classroom. Just to review really quickly, make sure you've got a detailed zoning plan that outlines responsibilities throughout the day. Get the students involved by assigning routines that maintain the classroom and give them life skills practice of taking care of their community. Set up an ongoing task list of material prep tasks that need to be completed and tell everybody to go there if they have a spare moment. Develop an area with all the materials that are needed for material prep so they spend more time prepping and less time searching for what they need. And finally, make checklists for those routine tasks in the classroom so that people are completing them the same way and no one is having to go back and redo them at the end of the day. And just as a caveat to that, it isn't just you that may have some issues with how things are done. If you've got a para that it drives them crazy that the schedules aren't set up right every day or that something in independent work isn't done, Ask them to tell you the steps and add it to the checklist. So it doesn't, if you're not the type A person, maybe it's someone else in your classroom and your classroom will be more pleasant if everybody is happy with the materials that they're using. So the true key to all of this is that more, the more systems that you have set up in your classroom, the more the classroom runs itself. The more it runs itself, the more time you have to focus on teaching students. And my hope is that these strategies can reduce a little of the time that you spend each evening or each morning setting up the classroom and prepping and leaving some time in your day for lesson planning, for family, for having a life, and for sleeping. So I would love to hear your strategies for increasing the automation of your classroom and increasing productivity. Hop on over to our free Facebook group at specialeducatorsconnection.com and share there, or just share a tip for productivity on Instagram and tag me. I'd really love to share more ideas about this because I think we all need all the help that we can get in productivity to prevent overwhelm and prevent burnout. So if you're interested in more tips like this, come join the Autism Classroom Resource Library for weekly tips and ideas that will save you time, energy, and hopefully give you more ideas for the amazing instruction you do for our students. Sign up. You can just go to autismclassroomresources.com community. 
You'll find all the links and things I've talked about, as well as a transcript or the text of the blog post in the blog post at autismclassroomresources.com slash episode 24. And I will make sure to put that link in the show notes as well. So you can scroll down to the text with your podcast episode on your app and hopefully click through or copy and paste to get to there and get what you need as well. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. And I hope you'll be back next week for more of the Autism Classroom Resources podcast. Mm -hmm.